0: This morning, we are jumping into the last message in our series. We've been doing this series since the first week in January. Are you sick of it? No, I might, mine might be. No, uh, it's been really good and I hope it's, it's kind of sad that it's ending. It's, I've learned and been challenged a lot in prepping these and I hope that it's been meaningful or encouraging to you um, as we've gone through it and we're ending today's message talking about finding your purpose, your why your why. So could you just pray with me and then we'll jump into a message this morning. God thank you so much for this opportunity. Pray that you'd like we take we don't take advantage often of spaces where we can kind of like get rid of our distractions and declutter our hearts from all the noise that we get bombarded with all the time and the expectations that we feel from others all the time. We have this space now though, and I just pray that you'd help us take advantage, that we would kind of pull down some of the barriers that we let build up and just listen for your voice. And um, we just thank you that you speak to us through your word and that we have moments and spaces like this to listen and to push in and to kind of like get our souls realigned with who you are and what you wanna do in us. This morning as we talk about purpose, I pray that this would be great encouragement to people that maybe have been feeling like not sure what the meaning is, what their why is. So just help us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Yeah, so good to have you here for this last message in our series, Uh, Same. New Year, same you. I almost butchered it. Like I've been doing it every week for like the last couple weeks. We've been looking at this series since January, and if you miss some or you're interested, you can go back and listen to them all online on our website. But we kind of like taking this approach. What if I'm not the answer I need? What if like this year, wanting a better year this year is not about a slimmer Josh Ott, a handsomer Josh Ott, a Josh Ott with better eye cream to get rid of that weird stuff that goes on here. You know, what if the answer isn't more self-discipline or me reading the right books this year or being better at being me? What if that's not the key? Maybe you've experienced that. Like you're, you're staring down some New Year's resolutions that have blown up a month or two ago. And you're like, ah, again, here I am again. I tried so hard this year, but it didn't work. Uh, there's some hope to kind of say like, okay, what if... It's a new year, but it's the same me just embracing more of what God has already provided me with. What if it's it's about embracing more of what God wants to do in my heart, more of the gifts he's given me? What if it's about embracing more grace? What if it's about embracing the little steps he wants me to take? And it's not about me and what I do. It's about what God wants to do in me and through me. I think that's the plan to like stepping into life the way God has designed it for us, our, our best life. And so we've been looking at all different kinds of things, and this week, last week we talked about how contentment isn't math, and I butchered a chalkboard up here, and this week we're ending it with this kind of big idea about finding your purpose. Whoever said that all questions are good questions, never volunteered in an elementary school. (laughs) Never like hung out with their Nieces and nephews when they were elementary, like you had to babysit them for all, never had little elementary kids running around your house, because I got news for you. Every question might be an OK question to ask, but not every question is a good question. You try answering why someone can't have Skittles before dinner 500 times in a half an hour time period. You try that and tell me if that's a good question or not. Shout out to all of our teachers, by the way. May God bless you richly as you deal with a nonstop plethora. I went to school. I learned big words of good questions that aren't really good questions. You know what happens in my house when My kids are asking me for weird, unanswerable questions over and over and over again, whether it's a question about like why they can't eat ice cream for breakfast this day or why things are the way they are. when When those questions go unanswered over time, something starts to happen emotionally in the room. It doesn't just lead up to me losing my temper, which may or may not happen, I may or may not have to apologize for that once in a while. It doesn't just lead there. Like, first you get agitated a little bit with an unanswered question. Like, it starts to be like, ah, come on, you're going to ask me again, right? Like, you're going to ask me for Xbox time. I know you're going to ask me for Xbox time. I'm not going to ask you for Xbox time. What were you going to ask me for? Well, if I could just turn it on. Uh, Yeah, I knew it. Like, I I knew it. It starts with agitation, but then it grows to frustration. Eventually, you find yourself with unanswered questions, getting very frustrated, and then that frustration, kind of like my kids know how to play this so well, the frustration kind of builds and then builds and builds, and then it ends up with defeat, My kids are experts at this. They can like slide in and out of my life, drop the question that I'm refusing to answer over and over and over again, wait for the look of defeat that inevitably will come onto my face, swoop in from who knows where they have been hiding and spying on me, ask it right at that moment I'm feeling defeat, and then I'm like, yes, fine. Eat the Skittles, eat all the Skittles. I don't care anymore. Just don't tell your mother, all right? Like, do we have a deal? Like, eat the ice cream for breakfast. Just hide the empty container, please. I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like, it ends up feeling defeated. I wonder sometimes if our souls are agitated, if we're frustrated in life, if we experience kind of like feeling defeated, because of really important unanswered questions. Like, here's an age-old question that unfortunately goes unanswered for way too long. And the question is this. Why am I here? I I think if that question goes unanswered for too long, our souls get agitated. Ah, it just doesn't feel right at work. The frustration starts to build, and we, we kind of like take that frustration out on different people. Oh, it's, my, it's my boss's fault that my life doesn't feel fulfilled. It's, it's my coworker's fault that my life doesn't feel. Meaningful or fulfilled or it's it's the wrong, I got the wrong people in the house. I got the wrong people in the car. I I got the, we start, the frustration starts to build, but then eventually if that question goes unanswered for too long, what settles into our souls is this feeling of defeat. Like maybe I'm just not that important. Maybe my life isn't that meaningful. Maybe my purpose isn't that essential to who I am and we settle Unanswered questions that go too long can build us to a place of defeat. On the other hand, if you can answer the question, if you know your why, what happens is you start to feel joy that isn't defined by your workplace or your bank account you start to experience this peace that settles in, this this sense of worth, even if people try to take shots at your worth. And your purpose, when you understand your why, grows into experiencing, not defeat, fulfillment in life. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, where you go, whose name is on the check that you cash every week. You see, purpose leads to fulfillment. And Jesus came, that not just that you would have life or eke through life or just make it through life or experience some kind of defeated life or a life where you just kind of put one foot in front of the other hoping that it ends up somewhere. He, didn't, he, says, he says, I have come that you ha- would have life and have it to the full. Understanding your purpose, your why, is essential to experiencing a fulfilled life. And no matter who you are, no matter what your life has looked like to this point, no matter what your struggle is today or tomorrow, because how many of us like, amen, we plan struggles for tomorrow. I got a whole list of them lined up, right? No matter what is going on in your life, like you, no qualifiers, have meaning and purpose. And it's essential to not just you experiencing fulfillment, but it is essential to your world around you. I think there's two keys that we're, we're going to talk mostly on the second one, but I can't jump into this without hitting the first one. There's two like keys to understanding your purpose and experiencing fulfillment in life. And the first one is knowing your identity. And the second one is knowing your why. It's 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 who God made you to be, who he designed you to be. That's your identity. Now, for those of you that are exploring faith, like, and just not sure, then maybe this is not an identity that you have accepted as a free gift from God yet because you're kind of, like, on the fringes, not quite sure. And that's okay. That's okay. But for those of you that have, like, professed faith, your identity, who you are, is so insanely beautiful and meaningful and important. And I never want to miss, because we get... Uh, messages that take cuts at our identity all the time. People take shots at our identity all the time. I don't want anybody to leave here without at least a a brief reminder of who you are to God. You are loved, Jeremiah says, with an everlasting love, with an unfailing love, with a love that nothing can separate you for. You are valuable to God, so valuable that he sent his son for you. Your life has meaning and worth. He delights in you, scripture says. He he doesn't just love you, but he likes you. And can we just admit that's better than we do with our relatives most of the time. We love them. We don't like them all. (laughs) You are so important. Ephesians 1 says you are chosen. Your, your, your identity is so important. But I don't want to just talk about your identity today. We, we've been talking about that a little bit through the series anyway. What I want to focus on is your why, your your purpose. Your purpose. And to start that, i got to start with talking about God's heart. His heart for you. In um, Philippians or Psalms 139, sorry, Uh, Psalms 139, and and this message is not as maybe like hyped as a normal message from me maybe, although I did drink a lot of coffee and I I, I feel like I'm hyped right in my throat a little bit right now, but this is important. And so I got a ton of information this morning and it may feel a little bit more like a classroom and I'll try not to bore you because I know not a lot of you like school. Some of you who work in schools, don't like school. Did I say that out loud? Maybe I shouldn't have said that one out loud. Psalm 139 is such a beautiful passage. It's one of my favorite psalms. I love the end of this psalm because if you are a person who struggles with anxiety like I do from time to time, you experience a panic attack every once in a while, like I do from time to time. If you're not cool with a pastor who is willing to admit that, then this is probably not the right place for you. Uh, Maybe the T-shirt and the shoes already tipped you off to that point, but regardless. um, The end of this psalm is so cool because David has like a legit panic attack as he's thinking, he's having these beautiful thoughts about God and they totally get interrupted by like these crazy thoughts about his enemies and then he brings it back and it's a powerful one. I love the beginning of this passage because it's like a beautiful dialogue about God and his character and why that's so important and so beautiful. But there's this passage in the middle that I want to talk about today. It says in verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful to me. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. There's so much in there. But what I want us to remember today is that before, Before you took a step, before your memories were lodged into your brain, before your first breath, God's fingerprints were all over you and his purpose for you was already being written. Talk about value and meaning and beauty in life. You see, God started this whole thing. He was in love with the idea of you, and he wove into all of your days purpose and meaning. His heart for you is one to fill your life with meaning and joy and to give you a future that's just amazing. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 is probably one of the most famous passages ever to talk about um, like purpose and meaning and your future. It's got to be the verse that's on the most coffee mugs in the history of coffee mugs. Like Jeremiah 29:11 makes fantastic stickers or those little cute signs that, you know, we put in our houses with, like, you know, they're cute, you, know, you got somebody wrote, like, a fancy script, you know, like, it's one of those verses that people just love, and I get frustrated because I've heard preachers stand on stages like this, and I'm not judging, I've made plenty of mistakes, too, in my time with a microphone in my hand, some of you have been counting, maybe, like, kind of, you know, but, like, I get frustrated with preachers who say, like, wait a minute, like, you can't read that verse and tell your people it's for them, because it was for the Israelites, as they were going back to build the temple in Jerusalem, all this stuff, and it's a bunch of garbage. Don't believe everything you hear on YouTube. And it's a bunch of garbage because while this was a passage written for the nation of Israel, it reflects God's heart for his people, whoever his people are. And it doesn't just reflect God's heart for us we can see this passage lived out in story after story after story of people, Old Testament and New Testament, who sought to like, walk into their purpose with God. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. His heart for you is to give you purpose, to have you experience hope in all your days, and to step into a future that is good and amazing and beautiful for you. God also is a God who purposes and repurposes. It's part of his character. If you're ever going through a tough time, one of my favorite verses is Romans 8, 28. Maybe you've heard it before. I use it a lot because I Desperately need it to be true in what can be my train wreck of a life sometimes. Does anybody with me ever have one of those weeks? This is a verse that I'm like desperate for it to be true. It says this, it says, In all things God works for the good, of those who love him, and check this last part out, and are called according to his purpose. In all things, in the middle of that heartache, in the middle of that breakup, in the middle of that disappointment, in the middle of that dark valley, in the middle of that bad health report, when your boss is treating you unfairly, when a friend walked out on you, no matter what you're going through, in all things, God is at work for you, weaving purpose and repurposing even the most difficult things in life for your good and for his glory. You see, God is a God who before your beginning was weaving purpose into your story and your days. His heart for you is to give you hope and a future and to weave purpose into your life and meaning into your life. God is a God who purposes and repurposes all the time for the good of those who love him for the good of those who love him. But understanding your purpose, experiencing this heart for God, from God, God's heart for you, walking into your meaning, embracing your why, is one that can only be done through faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is a, is a chapter in the Bible that lists a ton of different characters it talks about faith and it lists a ton of different characters in the Bible who've done some pretty epic things. Also, if you're not aware, all of those heroes of your Sunday school classes growing up also failed epically too. And Hebrews chapter 11 is a passage about faith. In the beginning, it kind of defines faith for us. In Hebrews 1, it says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It goes through and it lists a bunch of people like, and it's just over and over and over again. It says in verse 6 that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It goes, by faith, Abraham believed God when he said he was going to make his, like, Family as as large as the stars in the sky. Dude was old, if you don't know the story. By faith, Rahab, who, let's just say, did not have a very reputable job, who ran maybe not a very reputable house, who also ended up in the line of Jesus. Like By faith, she took those spies from Israel in and believed what God had said through them. By faith, by faith, by faith, over and over and over again, Jacob, who was the biggest tool bag. Like he was a tool. If they talk about a little weenie, like he was just not good, like for most of his life. I, I don't know if you can say that in church, but I guess it's a little late to ask that question. I'm sure somebody will email me and answer that one for me later. Um, like he was manipulative. He he just was like scheming and shady like, but, but then like God redeemed his story and did some absolutely incredible stuff. Like all of these people, it says, by faith, they stepped into their purpose. By faith, they believed God. By faith, they lived out what God had called them to do. You need faith to embrace your purpose because there's going to be days where you don't see it. It's going to be weeks where your life feels Meaningless. The question, even if you answer it, why am I here, will circle back around again someday and likely will hit you at your weakest and most vulnerable moments. It takes faith to embrace the purpose that God has for your life and to step into the meaning he wants to give you. If you're not a person who has expressed faith in God, you're kind of here And like on the fringes, you're not sure about this Jesus. We want you to know that we love you. and You don't have to believe to belong here. But I don't have an answer for you about your meaning and purpose. If you are a person who is kind of like stepping into faith with Jesus, professed faith in Jesus and what he has done for you, there's two parts to this question, why? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What's the meaning of my life? Now, when I was researching this on the internet, I grew insanely frustrated because article after article, scholar after scholar would just give the first part of this answer and nobody was really talking about the second part. Both are absolutely essential and I don't think you get to the second part without the first part. The first part is God's general purpose. For you, It's a purpose we all share. There's five things. You can break them down different ways, clump them together different ways. I got them broken down into five things we're gonna rip through really fast here. But, but the first part is the general purpose. You have the same general purpose as I have. We all have the same general purpose. And then the second part is like your unique purpose. And there's nobody in this room that has the same unique person purpose as you do. The first one, let me just break down the general purpose that God weaves into life. The first one is to have God be the center of your life. The churchy word for that is worship. There's tons of verses that talk about it. We don't have time to get into it all. One of my favorite verses to illustrate it is Matthew, found in Matthew uh, chapter 6 and verse 37. Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Like, our first purpose is to make God the center of our lives, and when we find when we do, He adds to us all the other pieces. It's what we're doing when we show up and we worship. We're realigning the center of our lives with God and our relationship with him. Righteousness means to be in right relationship with God. You can't be right relationship with God if the center of your life, who you were designed to have a relationship with first, is off kilter. The first general purpose is to make God the center of your life. The second general purpose that he has for us is to experience love and to give love. It's all about love. As I mentioned already, Jeremiah talks about how God's love for us is an everlasting love. Like you were created to experience his love and to give him glory and you were also created to love others. They pinned Jesus down and they said, what's the greatest commandment? And he gave two answers to the question. Like it wasn't he didn't just do one and stop. Like he was like, these two are too important. I can't separate them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting. When Jesus was talking to his disciples later, he actually would change it the book of John. He'd say, you've heard it said, love your neighbor as yourself. I say, love each other the way I have loved you. This is how they will know that you are mine. We could use a little work don't you think, in life on this one? It doesn't really seem evident to me that we are loving people who are different than us, who have different thoughts in us, different agendas as us, the way Jesus loves. Regardless, Jesus would go on in Matthew to say that all of the law and the prophets hang on those two things. Your your third purpose was, is to be growing. Hebrews 6.1 says, let's leave behind the elementary teachings and push on to maturity. The churchy word for that is discipleship. By the way, the churchy word for the love thing is fellowship. Fellowship is not a church potluck dinner with halushki. <laughs> you <know. laughs> if you're online and you don't know what halushki is, you gotta Google it. Uh, it's a skook thing, I think, like, like where everybody's kind of like sneezing over the same line of food and then sitting around tables in a, in a church somewhere. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is enjoying the relationship we have with God and the relationship he's called us to in others. The third one is called growing. Maybe you've heard this church word thrown around or, or theological word, discipleship. Discipleship just means like being a student or a follower of. It's what Jesus has called us to like follow me. Be a student of what I have for you we're all called to be disciples and it essentially means like don't stop growing keep growing that's part of our general purpose number three general purpose number four is give back churchy word for this is like serve or minister ministry is not just done by ministers i hate when people say oh you're a minister i just first of all it seems weird Like, I don't like the word. It's a weird-sounding word, isn't it? Like, minister, no, just me? Okay, it's just me. But uh, the two words in Scripture are like the same, serve and minister, serve and minister, right? Like, it's it's about giving back. Jesus said, you you are the salt of the earth, the life-preserving force of the earth. You are the light of the world, the city on the hill. It's about spreading that light. Giving back is not about your wallet, It's about how you exist in the world. It's about what you add to the world. It's about what you give back from your heart to others. The fifth one is spread the good news of Jesus and spread hope. In Acts chapter one eight, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. It wasn't like a choice. It's not about like packing your pockets with Bible tracts from the 1970s and going around your neighborhood and annoying everybody so that they don't even wanna see you anymore, right? Like, who is this guy who won't shut up knocking on my door and witnessing to me through the ring camera? Like, I don't wanna, <laughs> it's weird, like, right? Being a witness is just about testifying to what you've experienced God do. It's sharing hope when the opportunities arise, both with your words and with your actions too. It's about being that light practically and, and passing on the great love you have experienced with God. Those are five general purposes. If you didn't catch them or were writing those down, maybe I'll post them on Instagram or Facebook later. You can check them out there. But I really want to end this with talking about your unique purpose. Your unique purpose is why you specifically are here. Your unique purpose is unique, duh. (laughs) It's a little messy. It's Hard to wrap our hands or our heads around sometimes. Your unique purpose is holistic, it encompasses all of who you are and all of the space that God has placed you in. A lot of people. When they ask this question, they're asking, what's my unique purpose? And they're looking to somebody to tell them what their unique purpose is. And while I wish I could tell you what your unique purpose is, we'd have to sit down and have a lot of conversations because your unique purpose is something that you discover. But take heart because you can discover it by accident if you're just following Jesus to to discover your unique purpose it's it's more of a journey than an answer that could be found in a textbook or a verse that you can go to the back of the bible and like find some reference and then flip and open read this one great verse and be like oh there it is it's not like that it's your unique purpose is something that you walk into as you're following jesus and you start asking better questions it's something you learn as you experiment with what god has given you and how he has gifted you is something that you 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 step into as you embrace the journey it's a journey discovering your unique purpose it's filled with trial and error ups and downs sometimes getting it right and sometimes getting it wrong and while well, i wish i could tell you what your unique purpose is i can't what i can tell you is that every one of you has a unique purpose It's about the personality God's given you. It includes the experiences he's allowed you to walk through. And it's also tied to the unique gifting that he has given each and every one of you. Your unique purpose, the world was designed to be better experiencing it you were designed to make the world a better place by stepping into and embracing your unique purpose well i wish i could tell you what your unique purpose was like sometimes I, I have to like get a piece of paper out and say my name's josh <laughs> i help people discover their purpose <laughs> i hope that's true this morning i'm not sure if it is like right? like well, I wish it was that simple, it's, it's not, and it's a journey, and I did come up with a couple questions that you could start asking if you want to learn what your unique purpose is and step into it. But again, warning, you can't discover your unique purpose if you're living apart from God's general purpose from for you. Here's some good questions. Who did God create you to be? What space has he designed you to uniquely fit into where you can turn what he's given you for the good of others? What has he made you passionate about? What gets you excited and makes you tick? And how can that thing be used to add hope and joy and the good news of Jesus to other people's lives? How can you bring light to the situations you find yourself in? Are those situations turning up, seeming with the same thread over and over and over again? Maybe that's the space God has uniquely called you to be an impact in. What gifts has he given you? There's spiritual gifts throughout scripture you can discover. I found that the easiest way to discover wh- how God has gifted us is like, how, what, are you good, what has he made you good at that does not require a job title or a position? You see, your unique purpose is not defined and cannot be contained by where you work. It is not defined, cannot be contained by where you live what kind of house you have, or what kind of platform you have, or whether you have cloud on social media or don't have cloud on social media, whether you think you have influence on others or you don't think you have influence on others. Your unique purpose is not contained by those things because it is so much deeper than them. And when you start to discover your why, you find that you can live it out. You can live it out anywhere. And as you live it out, you spread hope and joy and meaning to others. Like, I, hope, I hope that you will start a journey, be encouraged to continue a journey to discover your why, your unique why. I hope that while you're doing that, you won't drift, because we all can drift from God's general purpose For us, to make him the center of our lives, to worship him, to love him and love others, to be growing and a disciple of him, to give back and to spread the good news of the hope that we have in Jesus. I hope you could discover your why, because this church, this county, this world, I will be all the better when we step into our unique purpose. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you purpose and repurpose everything in life for your good and for our good too and your glory. And that's just a a difficult question sometimes, why am I here? And it's one that we need to accept in faith even if we don't know or have not discovered our unique purpose. You have us here for a reason. We have your fingerprints all over us. You take great joy and delight in us. We have value and worth no matter what our past looks like, no matter what our present looks like, no matter what our future looks like, no matter what labels people throw on us. We have value and worth from you. I pray that you would help some of us like, step into our unique purpose and discover it. there's so much joy and fulfillment there that we would get to experience that incredible gift of what it is to Learn why exactly you have us here and what you have us to do. But help us never to drift from who you have made us to be. We thank you for Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. Without those things, we don't have anything. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.